on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman, we discuss the latest updates on college football players being able to return to campus and talk about what some of the proposed formats may look like. We examine how OU is gaining an edge in recruiting with its virtual visits. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we celebrate the life of Eddie Sutton and discuss the return of the NBA. We finish with an OSSAA update and your Twitter questions during Keeping It Local. Please download the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, May 25th. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Hope you all have safe travels. If you're coming back from the lake or you're coming back from wherever, hope you had a great weekend that was filled with American things like beer and burgers and all that stuff. And Hope everyone had a great time. Now, we know why you guys are here, so we're getting right to it. Teddy, we're getting right into college football news because players are officially coming back to campus. Let's go. It's about time, right? I mean, what we're less than 100 days away. We've been speculating about this since, what, what, early March, second week of March. We've been talking about this. We've been trying to come up with all kinds of plans, and it's this easy. Hey, June, perfect. All right, let's roll. I, I think the, I think the like the mental hurdle, right? As far as trying to figure out a plan, what are we going to do when we get them here? What are we going to do uh, as far as living arrangements and and testing, all these things? It's let's figure it out as we go, kind of like we have everything else, right? Let's get the guys back, and we'll figure all that out as we go. But I think just the hurdle of finally getting some action it's i mean maybe it's just me but i like that we're there's finally something happening that we can talk about instead of all the speculation yeah i i I don't think it's just you (laughs) because when you think about it and just as a sports fan and not like with our association with ou and that being part of our job and all of that but just hearing that college football players are going to be able to come back to campus. I I don't know why. It weirdly brought me a sense of comfort. And I know that there's still a lot to be learned about the coronavirus, and there, there's still a lot of details to be ironed out about what these protocols are going to be and what happens if a guy tests positive. But this is a great step. Uh, I think that 
sports fans across America are just thrilled to see that, okay, these guys are getting back, and it seems every indication we're getting is that college football is going to kick off on time. Now, I, I know that we're not sure what the fan situation is going to be, what, what are the stands going to look like. I, I don't know if we'll know until a couple of weeks before it happens, but the fact that the SEC comes out and votes that voluntary football workouts can start June 8th, which I was shocked it wasn't June 1st for the SEC. June 8th, I was like, look at them. Look at how thoughtful they're being. I think that's what they're saying, right? It's like, okay, we have to at least show that maybe college football isn't the only thing we ever think about. So let's just give a little bit of a buffer there. I, I thought it was fantastic. And if you're like me, Gabe, one of the only good things about being done playing football, like because we all wish we could play forever, but knowing that in June and July – that some poor bastard somewhere is uh, curled over after running oh. sprints, puking. That makes me feel so much better about where I sit in life, right? Uh, it, I'm for, supposed to be happy not doing anything and knowing that someone is miserable somewhere. It brings me peace and comfort knowing that young men across the country are going to feel like they're going to die during the month of June. No, not supposed cor- to be. Not coronavirus die, but literally so much running that they feel like they're going to pass away. I want them to feel the feelings that we felt, Teddy. And I, I don't know if that makes me selfish. I don't think it does. But June and July are where college football players are made. I, I mean, it's, it, it really is – and you know as well as I do, those are the stories you talk about when you're done playing. Yeah, you, you talk about the games, but really the, the things that all the guys I played with, all the guys you played with, we talk about those summer workouts. And, and I know it sounds weird, but I'm glad that those guys are going to get to experience those. I'll tell you this. If uh, we would have had a pandemic whenever I was at school and Jerry Schmidt was there, I know that 50% of the guys on the team would have been begging for a positive test for the COVID <laughs> to get out of workouts, begging, trying to like figure out a way that they could uh, doctor the test or something to get out of having to work out for a couple of weeks for sure. Oh, and, and I still every once in a while, I'm like, okay, I need to do something to make me feel like I'm going to pass away. I, I know I'm weird, but I, I think some guys are going to feel that feeling again in June and July and be like, I kind of miss this. And I know it sounds weird. And if you haven't gone, gone through it, it's, it's kind of hard to relate to, but I'm excited for those guys in the SEC who are going to get back at it on June 8th. Now the Big Ten and the ACC have decided that they're not going to make any blanket statements for the members of their conference, they're actually just going to let every school decide themselves. Sounds like Louisville is going to be the leader there in the ACC. Yes, Louisville is in the ACC. I know a lot of people may not realize that. They've been in like – Wait a second. Like, I thought the ACC was just Clemson, right? Yeah. They're an independent. Isn't that the only person in the <laughs> ACC? Pretty sure that's how it works at this point. But uh, most importantly around here, 
the Big 12 comes out, they announce that football players can return to campus for voluntary workouts June 15th. Now, that seems extremely reasonable. Uh, We were worried about the Big 12 falling way behind the SEC just one week later. That's great. I mean, I think that Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12, and there's a lot of great leadership in the conference. I think June 15th is a great date to come back. Now, an interesting part of what Bob Bowlesby said over the last couple of days, he said he expects players and staff to be tested every two to three days. I don't see how that's realistic at all. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I I want these kids to be tested as often as they can be tested. I'm all for that. But when you think about the monetary value attached to testing 100-plus people every two days, that starts to add up really quickly for some of these schools. And we talked about it on the last episode. I, I just don't know if some of these schools are willing to spend that amount of money on this stuff right now. Now, I'm sure each school will have their own testing protocols and all kinds of schools will have different approaches, and we'll see how that all plays out. But I just can't imagine. Every two days, Ted? Yeah, I mean, that seems overkill to me. Now, obviously, you want to figure out if someone does, you know, get it and you want to find it before they pass it on to the entire locker room. Um, there's no doubt about that. But logistically speaking, that does seem like it could be very difficult. Now, I don't know. Obviously, these the medical staffs, that's a great thing about, you know, big-time Division One college football is they've got a full-time devoted staff there that are in constant communication with, um, you know, a you know, right there, OU Medical, all that. They've got a lot of resources at their at their hands. And I know some universities are better than others, but I'm sure that they've got a, 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 a something in place, a plan in place that they can follow to get the guys tested uh, very routinely. Does that mean every two, three days? Does that mean every, you know, start of each new week? I don't know what that means, but I feel confident that they're going to be tested enough to to feel safe there for sure. Yeah, and especially in the Big 12, you look around the conference, you mentioned Texas, OU with OU Med, Baylor with their hospital system. There's some really good med schools attached to these universities, so I'm sure they're working with all those people, and I'm sure it's going to get worked out now. Is there going to be a system that everyone agrees on? No, I think everyone's going to do their own thing, and I think that's the way it should be. I mean, you you know what's best for your institution, or I like to think that's probably the way it works. But well, I mean, it's it's we've kind of seen this across the country that there is no one size fits all. Um, right. The University of Oklahoma shouldn't be doing the the same thing as a as a university that's in you know New York City or New Jersey that's obviously hit a lot harder than than we are. So I think there's ever I think that's one of the good things is trusting these universities, their athletic departments to put a good plan in place given their current situation. So, I, I mean, that's why I liked what the, the Big Ten and the ACC did because when you look at some of these conferences, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of distance between individual yeah. schools. Yeah, it's like we the spread, ACC. There's like nine states. 
in right. that conference. So, and every state has a, has a unique um, – this virus has impacted them uniquely. So I think that's kind of the, the best way to do it. And it doesn't hold back the entire group for – uh, a small percentage that may have to wait. You know, you've, you've got to continue. And if those teams have to wait to be smart, then everyone else can continue to get their work in. I like it. Yeah. And, and just looking at the local angle of things, we've talked about Lincoln Riley's statement saying that players coming back June 1st was one of the most ridiculous things he's ever heard. Well, what about June 15th? less ridiculous it it's I, it's two weeks less ridiculous now joe castiglione he he comes on sports talk 1400 where you do your show ted and he made it very clear oklahoma is not going to feel pressured to come back when other schools do now when he said that he was referencing june 1st and he said the risks far outweigh any of the positive gain they might have for those few weeks. I don't know if that line of thinking shifts with the date being June 15th, but I can't imagine the University of Oklahoma, who has dominated this conference in football, I can't imagine they want to get started later than their competition. Now, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe, hey, maybe it's June 22nd. I, I don't know. But as far as what I've been told, they have no plan earlier than July 1st right now at Oklahoma. Now, things can change rather quickly. And I would anticipate them changing quickly. I know that They've been ultra cautious when it comes to this entire thing and their approach to it. But June 15th, they've been working on these plans to bring guys back. They've been doing all these models. June 15th seems more than reasonable to me. June 22nd at the absolute latest. You, you can't let other teams get two weeks, three weeks of workouts before you guys get back to campus. That, that just can't happen when you're a program like Oklahoma. Well, a couple of things. Um, I know Josie says that they're not going to feel pressured to get back. And that's probably true until people are back and you're not, right? Whenever we're all just sitting around and nobody's back practicing or working out, it's easy to say, well, we're going to be cautious. We're not going to jump the gun on this thing. But whenever everyone starts hitting the weight room and the practice field and you're not even back at your university yet, then I think the pressure will ramp up a, a couple of different ways. It'll ramp up internally. Coaches all of a sudden feeling like, well, crap, we're losing ground to everyone else. And then externally, the pressure is going to ramp up because you know that if you report two, three, four weeks after everyone else, and you lose a game or two during the season, it's going to be the first thing that's brought up is, do you think the, the extra time that they had in preparation over the offseason was a factor today? I don't think it will be. Like, honestly, is that going to be the difference in a football game? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that people aren't going to ask it and write stories about it. So there, there, there is going to be some, some pressure there. Now, if I had to guess, I would say that June 15th 
whenever the Big 12 is given the okay to come back, I think OU is going to bring their guys back. But I think that they're going to keep them in like a an extended quarantine and then test everyone and then start working out. So they may get their players back to 15th, but not start working out till maybe July 6th. Because here's the thing. How much sense does it make, Gabe, if you're a university, you bring in 100 guys, um, you know, you test everyone, you go through some workouts, and then 4th of July holiday comes around and guys never do anything over the fourth of july (laughs) they won't mingle with anyone it's fine it's not like i'm at grand lake right now for memorial day just watching all kinds of boats tie up with each other and everyone hug and shake hands it's that that stuff doesn't happen teddy it doesn't happen come on i'm sure you saw if you had a dollar for every uh 20 foot boat that had 30 people packed into it, it if you know if i had a dollar for every handshake i turned down in the last three days i'd have a fuck ton of dollars and i've made it very clear hey i'm not shaking i'm not doing anything i'm doing what i gotta do my wife's high risk i, I mean i make all the excuses but there's no doubt you've seen some of these videos from like a place like Lake of the Ozarks where there's a thousand people in a swimming pool. So yeah, that's a really interesting way of thinking. I I hadn't really thought of that. That's why I don't think it's going to be until post 4th of July. That makes a lot of sense. Because OU, they've, they've, they've put themselves in a either accidentally or, you know, purposely they've put themselves in a situation to where, they're going to have to look like they're doing more than everyone else, kind of, you know, given the the circumstances and, and the statements. And, you know, so I, just, they, I think that it may be a post-4th of July actual back-on-the-field type of deal for them. They have been pretty vocal throughout all of this. Joe Castiglione has talked publicly, and I think it's for good reason. I mean, he's one of, if not the most respected athletic director in the country. You know, Lincoln Riley's been outspoken. Now he's framed it that he it's all about the safety of his players, and I think he's framed it properly. But, yeah, I, I think you can make the case that a lot of people are looking at Oklahoma as one of the leaders in this entire thing and kind of wondering what they're going to do. So maybe it is that late. Maybe it's, hey, after 4th of July, we'll get rolling because, remember, that – Mid-July cutoff, right, is the date that has been floated for weeks and weeks that stuff needs to start happening for football to be played on time. And there are some discussions right now about a six-week program where there would be two weeks of NFL-style OTAs, meaning practice with just helmets, glorified walkthroughs, where you're getting reps on the field, but you're not able to wear pads, so you're reducing the contact. There are discussions of a six-week program with two weeks of those OTAs and then a four-week training camp starting in August, You know, getting these guys ready to play the season. One interesting thing when you think about that approach, because I think they're trying to make up 
for the spring practice that a lot of people miss. Some people may not realize 52 of 130 FBS programs never even started spring practice. None. So how do those guys got in more than like two or three practices, right? Yeah. I mean, how do they make up those reps? I, I don't know if they can, but it's going to be really interesting to see what will the time restrictions be when these guys get back. Now the NCA extended the eight hours of virtual film review through June 30th. Now that's, I, I guess two hours you do. Now I assume that they break it up in 30 minute meetings or hour meetings. I'm sure everyone has a different approach, but that's still not that much time when you think about all the time they missed in the spring. So I wonder, Ted, if they're going to expand some of these time restraints, especially if they only have a six-week window, you got to jam so many things into that window. you got to give these guys some more time. you got to give these coaches some more time with these guys. Well, I think one of the one of the most interesting parts of this is going to be um, like freshmen, incoming freshmen that you thought were going to be able to like early arrival guys and uh, even just guys that show up on the, the, the traditional time, you know, that contact with your, your coach and your teammates doing uh, whether they're organized activities or no, unorganized activities, learning the defenses, learning the offenses, just getting some type of baseline information as to how your, your uh, offense or defense works is critical. I mean, if you step into like some type of training camp and that's where you're just now getting all of your basic baseline information, that's incredibly brutal Uh, and it's tough and it will set those guys back a long ways. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, aren't relying on freshmen to, to play a whole lot, but some people are. And, you know, a couple of different position spots that could make a difference for a guy, at least early on in the season. Uh, it's going to be like drinking through a water hose if you're a freshman and you, you've got no, you've got no baseline as to what exactly you're going to be doing. It's going to come at you a million miles an hour. I, I'm, I'm going back thinking about what I was thinking when I was a freshman coming in at OU and even just going through seven on seven in those voluntary workouts during the summer. My head was like, spinning are people speaking greek what is going on i don't and know what's everyone's happening so big and fast <laughs> you're just like wait what what the hell this is a lot different than bishop mcginnis high school <laughs> and and that learning curve yeah it'll be interesting to see how many impact freshmen we see across the country because those guys they, especially the ones that were supposed to come in early and go through spring ball and make a big impact I don't know if we're going to see what we've become used to seeing from some of those impact players. I, that's just a lot to learn and a lot to get up to speed with in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it's going to be. But, man, it, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see if some freshmen step up across the country, and not, not just for Oklahoma, but anyone in the Big 12 across the country because – I will be really, really impressed if they do 
because I remember going through that and just being like, Ooh, I, I am, I was not ready for this. Well, there's a couple positions where you traditionally see true freshmen, uh, can play a little bit more. It's usually like corner where your responsibilities are fairly simple. You you've got, got that guy. You got that guy or you've got this section of the field. That's it. Uh, defensive line where you've, you either can do it physically or you can't. There's not a whole lot of thinking that goes on there. Um, wide receiver, running back, some of those, those spots. Offensive line is way too technical uh, to feel like you can rely on a, a, a true freshman. And, and obviously, if you've got a center or someone in there that's got to call protections, and that's a whole other animal. Safety uh, and backer is very difficult because you've got run fits, you've got pass responsibilities, you've got to set the front. There's so many things that you've got to do. It's really hard as a true freshman. Uh, I think one other thing that, that could be a factor in this, you know, depending on what it looks like, you know, if we've got a six-week period going into, um, going into the fall, fall season with guys that have had an extended amount of time alone, I think there's a, there's a big chance that we see an uptick in injuries, not bad injuries, soft tissue stuff, hamstrings, um, you know, guys pulling a groin, pulling a calf muscle, uh, you know, injuring a shoulder, you're not calloused yet. So what happens is, since you've condensed all of this time into this little window, if you've got a, a three-week hamstring pull, think about all of the, the time that you're missing your spring, you're missing the first part of camp, because it's all condensed down into this small little window. And, you know, that's going to be the thing that, Teams are going to have to be smart about we've got to get all of this in, but we've also got to protect our players because – Can't can't be too aggressive you, with you it. I mean, you can't, can't push afford. the guys too quickly. Yeah. Uh, that, And I'm sure different teams are going to have different approaches to it, but that's got to be the focus is, mm-hmm. hey, we've got this condensed preseason. We've got this spring ball and training camp combined. We need our guys to be healthy when games are played. When, when we're keeping yeah. score and it matters, we need our guys on the field. We got to do whatever we got to do to make sure they get to those games healthy. And if they pull a hammy during a game, okay, so be it. You can live with that. But you can't just go with an ultra-aggressive approach and have a bunch of guys hurt before you even kick off. I mean, that, that would just be idiotic. That's whenever – like veteran teams that have upperclassmen, you know, in, in a bunch of starting positions. That on know how defense. to practice. Exactly. Because if not, Gabe, you know this, you've seen it before. You go out there in early spring or an early training camp, you've got practice heroes, you know, that are trying to, to prove Fucking themselves. Fucking hate those guys. And, and, you know, whatever. And someone goes in, in submarines, a star wide receiver, or is going hard in a, in a, at a lighter drill and you end up getting guys banged up needlessly. So people like exactly like you said, you've got to have veteran players that know how to practice, know how to compete against one another, but not get each other hurt. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see what the format's going to look like. Is it going to be six weeks? Is it going to be eight weeks? Hell guys, I don't care. All I know is that it looks like college football is happening on time and I could not be, any happier. I, I really could. One, one thing that is 
become pretty pretty interesting about the local angle here for the University of Oklahoma is recruiting. Now, everyone has taken different approaches during this time, right? They've extended the dead period. There's no kids able to come on campus for visits, stuff like that. But according to OU's Director of Recruiting, Annie Hansen, OU has conducted over 40 virtual recruiting visits since the quarantine began. Now, I was really curious what these looked like and what they were structured like. So I asked, um, clearly still close with a lot of people on that staff. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of what they're doing because I do think they have a competitive advantage over other schools with what they've put together. I, I, I truly believe that. I don't think there's many, if any, schools across the country that have done a better job than Oklahoma has done with their recruiting in this entire messed up situation. I will say this. They have done an unbelievable job personalizing their recruiting approach during this whole thing. It is not a generic video for each guy. It is very personalized. They've done an incredible amount of research to make it that way. I, I assumed that it was just going to be some cookie-cutter video. Hey, you play it. Each guy gets the same video. My God, was I wrong. Huh. I, cool. I, I mean, with the stuff that I was shown, it it is next-level shit. And I truly believe the longer the dead period gets extended, it's an advantage for Oklahoma. With how creative Annie Hansen and Zach Heffley and that entire recruiting team at OU has become with this whole thing and the reactions that they're getting from recruits during these videos kids because they can see their live reactions and they can talk to these kids about what they've seen and done with other schools and it seems like every kid is telling them oh this is by far the best thing the most personal thing the most information driven thing that I've gone through, I think OU is doing the best job in the country of recruiting right now. Now, you'll never be able to replace getting a kid to campus for the spring game or for a Saturday in the fall. Like that, that will always be a strong recruiting tool, as well as getting guys drafted in the NFL. But under the circumstances, Ted, OU is crushing this. I, I'm just telling you, I, I wish I could talk more about what I've seen and what I've been told, but I don't want Lincoln Riley to kill me, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. But it is, it's really, really impressive stuff. I, I was, I, I don't know if shocked is too strong, but there was a couple times where I was like, wow, that is, that's something I wouldn't even thought of. And I guess that's why they have those creative people to do that shit. Yeah, well, I'll tell you 
a massive advantage that the University of Oklahoma has over almost every school in the country is that the Big 12 does not have a conference network. Yes, that is an advantage. Why? Because they do all of that video editing, uh, putting out all of their, their own um, marketing stuff. They do it in-house. So they have capabilities up there at Sooner Vision. And like, if you've never seen that place, it looks like an ESPN-style studio with all the capabilities that they have. So they can do far more than most, most schools are set up to do. So they've got the infrastructure to be able to, to do some really, really impressive things. So that's key number one. Um, the other thing is, for the longest time during this, this pandemic, the dead period, the, um, the, the players not being on campus, whenever everything's equal and nobody has their kids on campus and can work with them, it's a massive advantage for OU, right? That's whenever you have uh, the, the most ingenuity, the, the most forward thinking, the, uh, the smartest, the brightest, the hardest working. That's where you can gain an advantage, right? If we've got better coaches, we can actually out-prepare people over this given time. So that's like it's extremely motivating for, for a coaching staff, for uh, a, a recruiting staff, marketing people. This is it. This is how we can gain a massive advantage because during this period, it's not about how talented our players are. It's about how talented we are and how can we get the most out of this period. Now, this, that, this, this period's about to run out, right, because it's not going to be equal anymore. Some people are going to show up June 1st. Some are going to uh, show up June 8th. Some are going to show up June 15th. Some even later than that. So that advantage is going to start to run out and – how do you make that up in, in the, the time in the future? We'll just have to see. But as of uh, whenever everything got shut down to where we stand right now, I think you can look at the recruiting uh, results that we've had. You can look at a bunch of different things. But Oklahoma, I think, has really outperformed almost everyone in college football. We'll see what happens from this point forward whenever it's hands-on with college footballs. But making use of the time that they've had under the circumstances, they've been fantastic. Yeah, and I think that they've developed some things that they're going to continue to use moving forward because they've gotten some really good results with some of the things they're doing, and they're just going to become staples of the recruiting process for Lincoln Riley and his staff. And it is interesting with the staff because – you see these staffs trying to get back into the office, right? And they're having to do these temperature checks and jump through these hoops. And, you know, they're, they're limited on how many guys they can have in the same room. One interesting thing about Lincoln Riley and his staff, Lincoln Riley, he doesn't feel limited at all right now. Mm-hmm. He thinks that they are operating maybe at an even higher level. Now, of course, when you start game planning and doing all those things, you want to be in the same room, right? You want to have that personal touch on things. You want to have that collaboration. But with what's going on in the college football calendar, I think Oklahoma staff is looking at it from the viewpoint of why would we come back into the office and limit ourselves 
when we've been able to work full days, even maybe work even more than they did in the past and get great results. Why rush back into the office, which I think is a really interesting way of looking at it, Ted. No, it is. And I think there's, there's a way to kind of pinpoint who's embraced this and who's ready to get back to the old way is kind of the age category, right? And you look at Oklahoma staff, this is an incredibly young staff. You know, your head coach, your uh, defensive coordinator under the age of 40, um, you know, you've got a lot of young guys that, that can operate, you know, at home with their computers, with their smartphones, with, with those different devices and not really miss a beat. And then you've got the, the old school group, which, you know, I don't think that there's, there's a, a big difference between the new approach and the old approach until you're forced out of those norms and into a situation where you can only use the, 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 the new devices that you have, the new technology. I mean, uh, you get a couple of old football guys in a conference room talking ball and they can, you know, run circles around a lot of people just because of all the experience they've seen and all, all the different stuff that they've witnessed throughout their careers. Now, all of a sudden, you can't get those guys in a conference room to start breaking down what an opponent does. Um, they can do it on Zoom, but it's not the same. I mean, people, if they can't have that person-to-person contact, they don't, they don't feel as engaged and they're probably sick of it and tired of it and not nearly as motivated the younger group that's more used to this type of stuff is probably motivated by it and not nearly as affected. So I think there are some older staffs out there where this could hurt them pretty bad. Yeah. And I think that young staff at Oklahoma. Can you imagine Coach Snyder at Kansas State if this oh, is how things would have my to have been done? Sweet Jesus. I, what, he would have just retired. He'd be right, like, no, nope, I'm out. I'm out now. Hey, I think Chris Kleiman, they're they're already back in the office. I, I'm a big Kleiman guy, but I would pay good money to see how Bill Snyder would have handled this entire thing. You can't write these kids all handwritten notes, Bill. It just yeah, wouldn't like, have worked. Can you imagine you'd be going to the mailbox every I'm day? I'm just mad because I never got a handwritten Snyder. note. I, 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 I just took that shot at Bill Snyder because he never wrote me one and and – for some reason, it made me upset. I don't know why. I don't know if I deserved one. I probably didn't. But it would have been nice to get one built. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, we've got we've got that in common. I never got a handwritten lo- uh, letter either. So, but that's wow. that's funny. I mean, think about it. I mean, the the, the younger staffs are going to have an advantage during this thing. I, I think that's true. Yeah, I'm. I I think that's spot on, and we'll see what some staffs have learned during this whole thing that they'll carry over and just make it staples, make it a staple of their program. I'm sure that some of these schools have learned things where they're like, okay, yeah, we're doing that from now on. And I think Oklahoma is one of those, especially with what they've done with their virtual recruiting. I expect that now, once again, this is a moving target. The rules have changed for the virtual recruiting. Now you can have it. You can have a kid pop into a position meeting with you. I, I think they can only do it once, but th- those rules have changed, and who knows how that'll be in the future. I mean, this is something that the NCAA is going to have to look at, and they'll probably establish guidelines, but I think 
coaching staffs are going to utilize a lot of what they've learned in these last couple of weeks. Now, Ted, let's move on in this Memorial Day edition of the Oklahoma Breakdown. Uh, Let's move on to our segments, and let's start it off. Winners and losers of the weekend, like our man Toby Key says, we got winners, we got losers. I can tell you, White Claw, truly, all the hard seltzers were a winner for me, but who you got as your winner of the weekend? No, I agree with you on that. We had a we had a, a little bit of a pool party get together, and I don't know what happened, but I got overserved. Uh, I'm not exactly who's to blame, but someone out there. I, uh, I know one thing: it wasn't your fault. I know that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the bottom of it and figure out uh, who overserved me, but definitely a lot of seltzers going on. I think every you know there was a lot of tough guys out there for a long time that just wouldn't do it right too big of a man to drink a seltzer that's gone everyone across the boards into the seltzers now pretty you, amazing you, you I never, know what's manly? that's something i never would have guessed by the you, way too you know what's manly being happy <laughs> and those <laughs> things are fucking delicious i, I, I don't care what that, anyway take my man card you can have it don't care give me all the hard seltzers all the hard seltzers that the tough guys don't want just bring them to my house. I'll Drop take them, them into my hand. ice chest. No, that's that's definitely true. And all we're missing now with the seltzers is when are they going to drop the caffeine in there? Because, you know, the Red Bull still has its place. The Red Bull and vodka is still around. But as soon as you drop some caffeine into the seltzer, then it's the perfect drink, right? The game will change. Um, my winner is Camping World, which – is a very strange winner, but given the the pandemic and, and the way everything's been going on recently, we just had, or in the middle of having, the biggest lake weekend in the history of our country. There is more people at the lake right now than there has ever been before, because you can't do anything else, right? People are camping. People are boating. People are fishing. People are outdoor. Camping World is a, is a business that six months ago was literally about to shut the doors and declare bankruptcy. And they're about to have the best quarter in the company's entire history. It's amazing. I was talking to a friend that uh, has a boat dealership, and he was telling me about, like, there's, there's not even – you can't even get boats anymore. They're all sold. They're gone. The boat inventory is completely depleted. It's been an amazing run. And from a former late guy, haven't been in six years, but uh, I think that's awesome that people are out and about camping outside. And I think that a lot of people are going to say, when, whenever this is done and we're back to normal life, we're going to say, you know what, as a family, that was so much fun. We need to get outdoors more often and do some things outside. So I think it's a, a big bonus for everyone. Yeah. And, and, I took advantage of the lake weekend, and, and we're still up here. At hey, Grand and the weather lake. was a lot better than okay. We got so, two days. and you know how much I love the weathermen in Oklahoma, hardest working weathermen in the world. Meteorologists, they get paid the big bucks for a reason. The weather in Oklahoma is ridiculous. It it was allegedly supposed to rain all weekend. It has been absolutely perfect here at Grand Lake and listen I don't get mad at the weathermen when they're wrong but I sure am glad they were wrong because it's been awesome it's been fantastic like 
yeah, we had a, uh, a pool get together, as I said, on Saturday. And it's like, we better, you know, start this thing early. We may only get one or two hours of sun. We had sun the entire time. I woke up this morning. I saw the sun coming through the blinds. I was like, wait a second. It's supposed to be raining all day. We had sun all day again today. It's been fantastic. Um, I'll tell you where they didn't have sun. And this is where my loser was. And I feel, I feel bad for the guy, Tom Brady. Um, it, he's not a good golfer, okay? That's abundantly clear. He did hole out on that one and i was like okay tom just calm down now he also he did split his pants like a fat kid which was hilarious <laughs> it was just the worst day ever for tom brady it was pouring rain for you know the big chunk of it early on uh he's a terrible golfer and the only thing worse than being a terrible golfer is being a terrible golfer surrounded by great golfers and being on national television my dad not a golfer Okay. I got into golf, started playing in, in, you know, high school, early high school and wasn't very good at it, but I had fun playing. And my dad, who's can probably count the rounds of golf that he's played in his entire life on one hand said, the only way to have fun playing golf is to always play golf with people that are worse than you. And Tom Brady did God, not follow that advice. Your dad is a wise, <laughs> wise man. That had to be the most miserable day it, ever. And he was obviously – now, clearly, Mickelson and Tiger are on a different planet when it comes to golf, but I did not know Peyton Manning was so good. He can ball. He, he's legit. And I know we talked about the props, and he was favored over Brady in every category, and now I know why. It's because the guy can absolutely play. And that's why he's my winner of the weekend. Uh, Peyton Manning, not only did he get to flex the golf game, which I, I was jealous. He's way better than I'll ever be. And I'm just going to have to accept that. But he absolutely crushed the trash talk. Oh, he was fantastic. He's, uh, and, and I know we've seen him do the commercials and when he did Saturday Night Live back in the day, like, he's funny. But when he was talking about, even before it started, when he was saying, well, yeah, I thought about Nick Foles, I thought about Belichick, he's just talking shit to Brady on the range. <laughs> I, I was like, this guy is the best guy ever. And then he started golfing, you're like, okay. And him and Tiger won easily over Phil and Tom Brady, but I don't think anyone came out of this better than Peyton Manning. I mean, no, he, he well, just he learned a he lot became, about everyone. He became even more likable, which I didn't even right. know was possible. I think we learned a lot about all four guys because you've got an extended time with them on camera and on mic doing something I know Phil and Tiger are used to it but it's out of their comfort zone a little bit and Peyton flourished right he was funny he was engaging uh, he played well uh, so we I mean we that's about what we would expect from from Peyton Manning right he's smart he's funny he, he's a gifted athlete I mean it was perfect he, Tom Brady he pulled off the black golf glove 
which is yeah. hard to pull off. He had two gloves on at one time, which, you know, he, he even pulled that off. Tom Brady was exactly what we've always thought. Awkward, uh, kind of dorky, uh, you know, just – he almost fell over one time when he was putting his ball on the tee. It was just clunky, but um, it was funny. But Phil – I thought Phil was funny because he's he's the guy that never shuts up. Like, in every group, there's a guy like Phil that, that just never stops talking and – whether he's winning I'm, or losing, I'm, is I'm trash that guy. Talking. I'm, I'm definitely that guy. Which is, I fully, I fully accept that. But I'm, I'm not any good at golf, so I, I'm pretty quiet on the course because my, my game does my talking, and there's not much to talk about. And, and Tiger just kind of reinforced what we thought of Tiger, right? Whenever someone's laughing or trying to get him going, he just gives you a little smile and then sinks a putt or hammers a drive right down the pipe and doesn't say a whole lot, but. I thought it was funny, the long drive contest. Uh, that was hilarious. He's like, oh, dang it, right down the fairway. Sorry about that work that's, day. That's, all, Sorry, that's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> now, one thing that Peyton Manning said during this whole thing, which it, I don't know if it was one of the highlights, but I related to it so much. When he was saying that he couldn't wear red and black because those were Georgia, Georgia. colors, he was like, oh, I'm not letting Kirby smart use that as you know recruiting material for Georgia I related to that so I don't own anything orange I don't I I cannot be photographed I I cannot be seen in orange because I and I'm clearly not Peyton Manning but when he said that I was just like I totally get that that makes that that is my life I refuse to wear orange it's just it is what it is. Well, well, it's a smart move by you because uh, it doesn't matter if you're at Grand Lake, if you are out at a restaurant somewhere in Oklahoma City. Heck, you could be, even be in another state. Uh, everyone knows who you are, and if you're wearing orange, they're going to go snap a picture and put it on social media. And the next thing you know, there's going to be uh, five million Sooner fans saying, "Dude, what are you doing?" That's that's the that's the times, man. That's how it and goes. Now, honorary winners of the weekend. I thought Justin Thomas and Charles Barkley were fucking hilarious going back and forth. Oh, I I, I mean, but what did Justin Thomas say? I'd like to see your fat ass, dear. I forgot what he said, but it was it was so damn funny. I, I didn't know Justin Thomas was a funny guy. And I I thought he did a great job, but that whole thing, of course, it was pouring rain the entire time because it, it's 2020 and we just can't have nice things, apparently. But I thought that, what did it raise, $20 million or something for coronavirus relief? It was a lot of fun. I, I thought there was a lot more trash talking and back and forth than we were anticipating. It was great. It was great. I, I enjoyed the absolute hell out of it. I've got one more thing that I thought was, was fascinating. And it was, it was in the first maybe four or five holes of the day. Um, Mickelson was off the green, and he was chipping up. And Justin Thomas went over and said, well, what are you, what are you looking at here on this chip? And he was talking about because it's wet, like he was going to – he typically wouldn't land a chip into the grain – and his that lie. stuff was unbelievable when and he was actually talking golf you were like oh yeah. my gosh this 
guy speaks a different language when it comes to this game. And it reminds me of, of, of like football because whenever you sit back and watch football, and baseball's the same way, right? Whenever they're talking about how they're going to play the shift and what a guy, you know, where the pitch is going, how the outfield is going to play, like all the different things that are going on. It just shows you that, you know, in every sport, there's so many details at the elite level that you never even think of. I'm saying I'm just going to try and chip it up there on the green next to the, <laughs> the pin. That's what what are you doing do. with this shot, uh, trying to get it close to the hole? That's <laughs> what I'm hit, doing. I'm going to hit it with this club and try and get it up there next to that pin. I, I thought that was amazing. And Tiger even was even talking about it uh, maybe a hole or two later. Like, they're talking about where they're going to land it on this chip because of the spin and the ball's going to spin on the green and not bite and stuff. I'm like, it all makes perfect sense. The way they explained it is like, yeah, sure. That's Hey, that's like a winner. But, man, just the level of detail on every shot I thought was awesome. Yeah. Even – with golf, it it just makes you realize that there's levels to this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can have X's and O's football conversations where we'll people look at us the way that we're looking at each other right now with what Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods were talking about, where you're just going, I got no idea what these guys are talking about, but well, this is hey. fascinating. I could walk up there and look at a ball and look at the grain and look at the lie and factor in the humidity and the spin of the ball and everything. But the problem is I can't, I can't do the actual chip good enough for any of that to matter. I don't know I where do the ball's it, going right. to land. Don't right. try would, to make me figure that out. I would do that stupid little duff that Tom Brady did whenever he was like five feet off the green where the ball went about six inches. I do that. Every single time I go to the golf so, course. Some some of those tee shots that they had where, what was it, Tiger Woods was like, yeah, that'll be right in the fairway on seven. I thought that was a great jab, but it was so relatable, which is one of the reasons I, I think so many people enjoyed watching it because you had these Hall of Fame quarterbacks hitting shitty tee shots just like the rest of us. And it, it was pretty fun. And I, I think for the most part, a lot of people saw those really bad shots from them are like, yes, that's, that's the stuff. Yeah. That's me. Early on, before Phil got it together and started playing, it looked like Tiger Woods was playing with the group that I golf with at first. It was bad. And that's another uh, lesson to be learned. Never agree to play a, a round of golf on television when they've got the shot tracker up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just meow. Meow. <laughs> hard right, hard left, uh, and – I, I can relate with that shot tracker. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm awful. But my loser of the weekend, Teddy, and uh, I know you have a soft spot for these human beings in your heart. My loser of the weekend, kickers. Yes, mm. kickers. Because with some of the things that came out over the weekend about some NFL rule changes, it seems like onside kicks may be getting eliminated. Now, I know they've presented it as an option, a, another option to the onside kick, but a team would have the option for a fourth and 15 from its own 25-yard line instead of kicking an onside kick. I don't understand why anyone would onside kick instead of choosing fourth and 15. When you look at it since 
They changed the rule in 2018. The recovery rate on onside kicks is 10.5%. So not great. I think teams are going to like their odds on 4th and 15 a lot more. Will the onside kick die? And is this the beginning of the demise of kickers in general? Teddy, I know how much you love kickers. They are your favorite. I, I would say you respect them the most <laughs> as football players. No, not football players. Do you know, that's, oh, here that's we go. That's the main mistake. Uh, they're, they're not football players. They're a fringe member of the team. That's, that's about it. They're in the picture. And uh, they jog out there on the a field. A fringe <laughs> member of the team. <laughs> that is so disrespectful. I've got – would you like to hear my advice for kickers? It's short and sweet. Three words. Learn to code. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking what? is gone. Find a new it, occupation. It. In all seriousness – It's gone, dude. We, yeah, I think when you look at – this could be the beginning of the end of the kicking game. Now, maybe that's too drastic because I'm not sure the field goal will ever field get eliminated. going to be there, but I mean, you know, kickoffs going to get yeah. eliminated eventually, there used right? There's an advantage to having a kicker with a great leg, like a kick, a, a great kicker on a kickoff was a weapon. You could sky kick it. You could directional kick. Uh, if you needed to, you could put it out of the end zone. Uh, you could use the wind to your advantage. A uh, great onside is, is a great weapon. You know, but they've slowly been changing the rules and eliminating the need for a kicker and how much of an advantage having a great kicker gives you. Uh, the field goal thing's always going to be there, I think. Uh, I, I think it'd be strange that they get rid of that, but we've seen what's happened with the extra points. We've seen some of the things that we saw in XFL with the kickoffs that, that may change. But, you know, as soon as they started the – I got to tell you, all the rules that have changed after I was out of the NFL would have made my life so much better. I was a the center on kickoff return everywhere I played, okay? And the surprise onside roller where all 11 guys are just in, in where, the where all 11 guys just or the kicker the kickers always trailing behind just a little bit because, you know, kickers where they all come give you a concussion at once. Yes, yep. a, a, a great position to be like, in. Okay, I know what's happening here. And you go in there and dive on that football, and you get missled in the back and the back of the head by about, I mean, every single player on the other team. You just got to say, this one's for the team, and go dive on the ball because here it comes. No, I'm but good. Yeah, I'm out. Dude, kickers is, I mean, to be honest, uh, I would say that the, the advantage having a great kicker is always going to be there, but they're changing it. And I, if if I'm paying kickers, it's going to come down, 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 down. The the less time you're out there, the more of a weapon you are for us. It's it's going to change how much you're worth to the football team. I respect the hell out of kickers. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to do what they do, but I, I do think they're going to start, for the most part, being phased out of football because frankly they're involved in the most dangerous plays in a football game and we know how player safety is in the nfl and in college football now so it's going to be interesting i i fully anticipate that being passed 
here uh, this week. So we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see. But uh, let's move on to everyone's favorite segment. We all know you guys are here to hear me and Ted talk about some basketball. So this is Football Guys Talking Basketball, a.k.a. FGTB. And uh, unfortunately, uh, FGTB is starting off on a solemn note because Eddie Sutton passed away. Now, he died, sounded like in his home, Tulsa, at the age of 84. Now, luckily, luckily, he got to enjoy, and I know that he's been in rough shape uh, the last couple years, but his family got to enjoy the fact that he was going to go into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Now, the enshrinement isn't until August, but at least they got to enjoy that as a family. And I just have to say one thing, and it's bothered me for years. To those people that kept him out of there, for whatever reasons, it seemed like it was, you know, some sort of grudge, whatever was going on. I hope those motherfuckers are happy right? Because instead of getting to go when, when he was healthy enough and, and make a speech and his family being able to enjoy that moment and all the guys that played for him at Arkansas and Kentucky and Oklahoma State and Creighton, like everyone could have had that moment. Everyone that was close to Eddie Sutton, that played for him, all these people whose lives were influenced by him could have enjoyed that. And they'll never get to because of a couple dumb motherfuckers that thought that keeping him out and holding that grudge was so important. I hope those people feel like shit today. I, I, I really do, Ted, I, because it, it was ridiculous then. And now that he's gone, it's even more ridiculous. It's just, I hope those people are ashamed of themselves, man. Well, I, you know, I was one of those that never really understood why or what was going on. And I don't know that anyone truly knows. And the only thing that, that what, because there was an envelope of cash for a guy in Kentucky, like really what that was that big of a deal to hold it against him for that long. Like that doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. And I've, I don't care if it's the Basketball Hall of Fame or the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I think that those stories are supposed to be told in the hall, right? Here's a, here's a, let me just lay this on the line. This is a, I know this will come as a huge shock to everyone, but even great players and great coaches are flawed individuals, right? What? And yeah, it's, it's weird. These people it? are human beings. Are you shitting yeah, me? Human beings that make mistakes and have struggles both uh, on the court, off the court, uh, family lives. But that's part of the sport, and that deserves to be told. That needs to be in the hall. With, with every person, there's going to come good and there's going to come bad, and they're both part of the story of, of basketball. And if someone was to come in and, and – view the basketball hall of fame 500 years from now knew nothing about the sport or the people that were around 
uh, Eddie Sutton, his story deserves to be told, both the good and the bad, and that is what these Hall of Fames are supposed to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly frustrating that a guy this good, that everyone that's in and around the sport agrees should have been in a long time ago. Uh, yes, there's some comfort knowing that he got the news and knew that he had finally been inducted, but it's still sad and frustrating that he didn't get to stand up there, look at a, a crowd, give him a standing ovation as he was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, surrounded by a family, uh, loved ones, friends, uh, players that he'd mentored throughout the, the career that he had. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating for sure. It, and with how his players talk about him, you know, being a second father, you know, just – shaping them as men and that's all I need to know about the guy right yeah. we, we all have our faults and yeah maybe he had a drinking problem so what so do a lot of people but the fact that the guy is has the 11th most all-time wins with 806 and went to three final fours and influenced all the people that he influenced and shaped the state of Oklahoma the way that he shaped it. There is the head coach at Oklahoma State and taking those two teams to the Final Four. I, I just hope that people remember him for the great things he did because yeah. we we all mess up. We all got our problems. And it just it, – it, it makes me just so angry that those people did that to him for so many years. I, it's just – it's ridiculous. But he's Here's in a better what, place now, man. In a yeah. better place. So that's what – you just got to keep reminding yourself that, you know, he, he had lost the ability to speak uh, for a while now, and I'm sure he's, he's talking X's and O's upstairs, baby. Here's what I think is interesting. You can tell a lot about who a person is in the sports world by – what their rival says about them, right? And with Eddie Sutton, I've seen Sooner fan after Sooner fan after Sooner fan say, I respected this guy more than any other coach that Oklahoma went up against, uh, loved watching his teams, loved the way that they competed. So I think whenever your rival is speaking of you in that manner, that says a lot about your true character and truly who you are and and that's because these are people that have uh hated you forever right in in the realm of sports but if they can put that aside and say yeah we had a, a lot of battles out there I wish we would have won them and you would have lost them but at the end of the day uh I respect you and my hat's off to you there's there's really in sports nothing better than that yeah he's going in the hall of fame in August thank god thank god they did it before he passed, but rest in peace, Coach Sutton. Uh, you, you changed a lot of people's lives in the state of Oklahoma, and you'll, you'll, you'll never be forgotten for what you did at Oklahoma State and, and how many people you influenced. Uh, one more thing in the basketball world, Ted, the NBA. Uh, I mean, the, the NBA officially announced that they are talking with Disney to get back to playing in late July is what it sounds like at Disney's ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex there in Orlando. 
Now, the NBA Board of Governors has a call on Friday where it sounds like some of these details for the teams will get worked out and be presented by Adam Silver. But it sounds like players are going to come back to where their organizations are, those cities, and have a week or two of individual workouts at team facilities and then maybe some sort of mini training camp before they head to Orlando to play uh, in this campus environment. Campus sounds a lot better than bubble, I guess. So they're going with campus, which sure, campus sounds great. Now, it is going to be very interesting to see what happens with some of these players in places like Toronto, right? Where it, it is a different country. And Canada has a different set of standards right now. New York, Boston. What do those players do? Because I, I know that they may not want their guys to come back. They may just want to go straight to the bubble, or excuse me, the campus. <laughs> They're in Orlando and start doing things with their guys there in a better environment with you know less restrictions. But the important part is the Oklahoma City Thunder are coming back, baby. This this season is going to get finished. Now, we don't know if it's going to be they play the rest of the season, you know, regular season games included, and they finish it out. Are they going to go straight to the playoffs? Are they going to play, you know, five to ten games and then go to the playoffs? Are they going to expand the playoffs? What's it going to look like? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is – we're going to get to watch Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander finish this thing out and see what this team can do. And that's all we really want. It's going to be awesome, honestly, to, to see how it, it actually takes shape. The way I view it, at least in my head, especially if they start playing some regular season games, is it's going to look a lot like summer league, right, where they're playing in these gyms and it's just game after game after game where they keep rolling through, which is fascinating. You know, one of the things in sports that you've always got to factor in is home field or home court advantage and what that, how that influences some of these basketball games. Uh, the end of, end of games, especially hitting free throws, I mean, all the, that pressure is still going to be there. But, you know, if you're down and you're at home, and you need a big stop, and the crowd's into it, and the place is going crazy. It's hard to communicate out there. That's a big advantage for teams that pack out their house like like the Thunder do and, and like, you know, a lot of these, these places that are tough to play. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works down the stretch, but I'm all for it. I think it's going to be just fascinating to see how it plays out. Yeah, just just put every game on TV. We'll watch them all. I am curious to see what happens to these teams that are at the bottom of the standings because this is a lot to go through if you're the Golden State Warriors right now who are sitting which, at 15 and 50, which is just ridiculous. If I, you remember, I Golden State quit before anyone in the country did anything when it came to the – They were like, we're out. They said, we're out. We're done. We're done. done. And so they conducted I mean, postseason like exit interviews like right then. It was well, funny. Well, you just think about you know Cleveland, Atlanta, Golden State, Minnesota. These these teams that 
you know, they're playing for ping pong balls. They want to lose. I'm not sure, but do they want to have to go through this entire process and play a couple games when they got no chance of going to the playoffs? I, I, I don't know. Of course, I'm sure the players want to get paid. That that's the one thing I got to keep reminding myself is, hey, these guys are one again are going to want to get paid. So that that'll be really interesting. And then you have the you know the regional sports networks angle of everything. Those contracts have to get fulfilled. You know, you got to play some more regular season games. It sounds like, but I I think they'll be able to work all of that out. I think the NBA is going to do what will make them the most money. And yeah. I, I know that sounds cold maybe, but you you got to capitalize on this entire situation. I, I know that some sports leagues are back, but I'm only going to watch so much German soccer, Ted. I, yeah. I, I want the NBA back, and I want it all, and, and I think they're going to capitalize on this opportunity. And if it's mid-July, late July, don't care. Sign me up for all the NBA games. Right. Well, here's what – I think we forget as sports fans whenever we're watching, you know, our favorite football teams professionally play or our favorite professional basketball team play that the NBA is not about crowning a champion. The NBA is about making money. That's why the league is there. The no, league is to it's make about, money. it's about the love of the game and the glory of sport and teamwork and everyone getting along and learning life lessons. No, it's about money. Yes. It's a business. It's about money. It's about making money. It's about selling tickets and selling advertising and selling your, your product to generate revenue, uh, which pays the players, which pays the coaches, which pays all the staff and the owner. And a lot of people get a piece of the pie. And the problem is this year, you're not going to be able to make everyone whole. You're not going to be able to get close to making everybody whole as far as your TV partners and obviously your, your local venues and all the businesses that are affected. I mean, think about Oklahoma city when they put that Chesapeake arena around there and the thunder came to town, it revitalized in an entire city, Uh, all the real estate down there, the, the bar scene, the restaurant scene, it was a lifeblood for that, and that's all been taken away. And that's the same in every every city. So you're not going to be able to make those people whole, but you are going to be able to put out a product that people are going to watch. You're going to be able to sell some amount of advertising and generate some revenue for these guys, get the payers played, get the coaches paid, uh, have the, the fans that are attached to these teams not completely forget that they exist and lure them back in a little bit before hopefully you play a, a little bit more of a normal season next year. So I think it's a positive. I think it's it's a great step in the, in a direction that we still all really need for college football. I mean, that's the more of these things that continue to happen, the better it is for college football in the NFL. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the next season for the NBA. We can't lose sight of that, right? Because – a large part of me believes that this is a blessing in disguise for the NBA. And a lot of people have talked about it, but does this give them the motivation they've needed, the excuse that they have needed to not start their season until December? 
so they're not competing with college football in the NFL and they do better when it comes to ratings. I I think there's a very real possibility that all happens and it's because this whole weird coronavirus thing happened. So I well, I don't know what Adam Silver's thinking, but anytime basketball can avoid competing with football in the United States, that's a good thing for basketball. I truly believe that. Yeah. Was it the 11-12 season that started at Christmas? Yeah, Opening? something that, that – I mean, that sounds right. I, I think it was have that to... season. And I thought it was awesome. I think opening day was Christmas Day is whenever they started, right? They had just a couple of rollout games on Christmas Day. That was It was really cool. It's whenever football's in its downtime. You know, the bowl season, it's everything's spread out a little bit more. So there was a lot of attention on NBA for a couple of days. And um, I, I think it was a great way to really kickstart their season. So, yeah. I, I do think that's interesting. Um, I mean, are, are they going to change the calendar, move the thing back? I mean, I don't know, but I, I do agree with you that if they could roll this thing out on Christmas, that's, I think that's a, a great opportunity for the NBA I, to gain some market share. I, I, I think it would be good for basketball. And yeah. we all know how basketball is growing across the world. I, it, it seems like it would be good for everyone, right? Football would have its time. They wouldn't have to worry about the NBA, and who knows how much crossover there is there when it comes to fandom. I think there's quite a bit, but, yeah. I think that the NBA would love not to have to compete with the NFL and college football. I think it would be best for them from a business perspective. And remember, it's all about making money. So we'll see. That that's something that we're going to monitor for sure. Now I, I hope I hope the Thunder can regain the magic they had as the season was. It was fun to watch, I'd... but I mean I, that's what I think is I feel like a team like the Thunder that what, had, what had happens if they win it all? Oh, like, I it mean, didn't count asterisk season. Oh my ass! I'll be. <laughs> you I'll, know, I'm just telling you. You know that that's what would be said. I will be walking around downtown Oklahoma City, drunk as can be crying my eyes out happy tears ted i don't care it doesn't matter if it's the coronavirus season it doesn't hey if the thunder win a championship i don't care what the circumstances are does not matter i'm telling you i will celebrate if if they shorten this thing to where they do i don't know playoffs only and they try and expedite it and they do like uh the first round is is three game series the next round's five game series dude when you shorten from seven to three games or seven to five games a lot of things can happen i mean the longer a a series goes the cream rises to the top and the better team usually wins but over a a three game stretch if they were to do that man you never know what could happen yeah Uh, gotta gotta get hot i i would assume they'll do all seven game series but who knows i mean that if if there's a time to experiment with stuff this is the time for the nba all right ted let's let's finish up with our segment highlighting what's going on in the great state of oklahoma we call it keeping it local and we have an update a surprising update uh, from our keeping it local story from last episode the ossaa board of directors had their meeting 
they looked at the association's proposed plan that was a three-phase plan to get high school sports going here in the state of Oklahoma. And they rejected the proposed plan. And a lot of people thought, okay, they rejected. They didn't think it was maybe strict enough or detailed enough. Oh, no, 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 no. They surprised a lot of people, rejected it, and said, high school sports can come back, and there are no restrictions, and we're starting June 1st. Now, I understand it, it It sounds crazy to a lot of people. They're saying it's up to school districts. It's up to individual schools to do what's best for themselves. I get that. But I'm not going to lie. When I saw that they rejected the plan and said, hey, you guys can all come back June 1st, no restrictions. Ted, I was fucking shocked. I was confused. Uh, whenever I saw that they rejected the plan, I was like, oh, well, dang. So I wonder what's going to happen now. I, it took me a while to realize someone had to like slap me in the face with it and say, no, they're starting right now. Like no they're restrict. rejecting all law and yeah. order. They're just, it's like, the wild oh. West in this thing. They're coming back, baby. I was like, Oh, okay. Well now that's interesting. So, Hey, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of people that were happy about it. I haven't talked to anyone that was upset about it. I know those people are out there, but I haven't come across them. Um, my neighbor's a high school baseball coach, and uh, they're getting geared up right now. They're they're about to, you know, he's he's going through the process of getting it ready for them and making sure they're they're safe whenever they roll it out. But they're excited because you know they they had had a season taken from them, but they can get back to to playing baseball in the summer again, which they usually do, and is a big part of of developing their their team chemistry and stuff. So uh, I think a lot of people view it because here's the thing, and this was what what was proposed to me is like if the high school sports aren't happening, a lot of these players are going to be playing like, I don't know, summer ball, whatever it is, Legion ball, whatever. I don't know what exactly what you call it, but baseball wise, a lot of those guys are going to be playing baseball games anyways. So why not do it with the schools and be able to watch those guys? The same thing with the football, you know, if, if you're not lifting and conditioning at your, your football facility, you're probably going to be doing it at a public gym somewhere. And it's kind of the same thing, but this is where those schools get an opportunity to control the environment a little bit. So think of the and, grand scheme of things, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, one of my best friends, Kurt Baldwin is a strength and conditioning coach, uh, as well as being the defense coordinator at Bishop McGinnis. And I, I was talking to him about it and he, he was surprised that, that was the decision the OSSAA made, but he said they're still going to have, uh, you know, a lot of safety precautions going into it because their guys are going to be working out and they want to make sure that they're doing the best things for these kids. Now, hopefully, all the schools across the state do stuff like that. I mean, that that, that would be what's best for the kids, making sure that, you know, you're – keeping them apart as much as possible while they're lifting and all these things that we're being told by these medical professionals. But maybe some of the schools across the state don't do it. And they just go full send and just say, hey, we're just going to live life as normal. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens if some of the schools take that approach. I know 
that a lot of schools in the state of Oklahoma are going to be very cautious, right? They don't want to be associated with some sort of big coronavirus outbreak. No one wants that. But high school sports, back in the state of Oklahoma, June 1st. All right, Ted, let's get to a, a Twitter question to finish this thing out. This comes from Tyler Burton on Twitter, at Tyler Burton 7 He says, with sports coming back, this is a UFC question. Which former OU teammate would you least like to share the octagon with? Um, that's a great question. Now, do they have to be a teammate or just like former Sooner has to be if, a teammate? If it's former Sooner, then it's Kelly Gregg for me. Yes. I, 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 want, I want nothing to do with KG. That man's back is as wide as a semi, and he was a state champion wrestler, two-timer, three-timer, three-timer, and could have wrestled in college, and – it would be miserable. He would beat the absolute shit out of me. I, I want nothing to do with Kelly Gregg, but a teammate of mine, I'm trying to remember the guys that had wrestling experience. That's what you avoid. That yeah. That's the first thing when it comes to not wanting to get into physical altercations with other human beings. You have to know if they wrestled in high school. Because you don't mess with the guys that wrestled in high school. You just don't. That's the number one rule. I think one guy, because big, had great size, great length, you know, had that Louisiana accent. Frank Alexander was a big dude. Mm -hmm. Big dude. I'm not sure I'd want that problem in an octagon ron l lewis certainly up there as well you talk about country strong the now. hammer man he that's what he ended up doing right so it, yeah that he got into my... mma so yes. i i don't want any any part of that problem as well so i i think ron l lewis definitely up there um frank alexander definitely up stacy mcgee whoo and that guy every once in a while talk about a couple screws loose so you gotta th- have a you gotta have a screw loose i mean that's the thing you don't want like if if you're going to be in the in the cage, the problem with uh, the the fighters is they they realize there's a chance they might kill you and they're okay with that. So and that's like a bridge that's hard. Those for people me to are cross. insane, man. So those people uh, are nuts. You know, it's funny. We did a we did a segment one time on our radio show on Sports Talk 1400, and, and my co-host Tyler asked me like, what what three former Sooners would you want to take with you for a bar fight and I said Kelly Gregg number one and two and three just it throw whoever you want to in there for two and three just some uh some old buddies so we can sit back and watch Kelly Gregg do his work and he's like the best he would he's a preventative measure I don't He's probably never been in a fight because you, you, you it's can't like, you can't be mad at Kelly. He's he's the only human being and and I did that radio show on the franchise with him for what two and a half years. I've never seen the guy in a bad mood ever. So you know he can just destroy you physically, but he's also like the nicest guy of all time. So it 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 is a perplexing combination. 
he's in a great mood all the time because no one ever tries him, right? No one ever, <laughs> right? I mean, everyone's as nice as they can be because you never know. And I, I, there's got to be something that sets him off in there. But uh, if I had to pick a, which it'd be Kelly Gregg if I could just pick any former Sooner that I would try to avoid in the, in the octagon. If it was a former teammate, Davin Joseph, who was a really fan, fantastic wrestler. Um, he was a, he was a champion wrestler. His arms are like eight feet long. He's incredibly strong, uh, super tough guy. He's got a nasty mean streak. Uh, no thank you to Davin Joseph, which is funny because I, it, it's a funny story in, in spring ball. We were in a live scrimmage once and we had a blitz called, and they kind of stacked up the blitz and like someone, someone fell down. So it's kind of turned into a pile and I'm kind of like on the edge of the pile and Davin comes and cleans me up and like peels me back off the pile. And it obviously it pissed me off. Right. He came in. I'm not going to call it a cheap shot, but. Oh, you a, can call it a cheap shot. It's fine. I mean, in a scrimmage it, with teammates, you would he, think it's a here's shot. A, here's a good, take. here's a good way of looking at hits like this. How much would he have been fined by the NFL for what he did to you? I don't think he would have been fined. I mm. think it was a, I think it was a legal play. At least he wouldn't have been fined in two thousand and two or three, whenever this took place. How much would he have been fined in today's NFL? He'd probably be kicked out of the league. No, but <laughs> it it was just a, a it was just a shot that you typically in an environment like that wouldn't take on a teammate, but he took it, which you know. I was mad then it, you know, it really didn't, it wasn't anything just in the moment mad. So I jump up off the, up, up the bottom and like, I'm going after him. Who's the dead man that did that? Oh, I saw it coming. That was the problem is because where I was caught, I could see him from a couple yards away coming to, to smash me right in the face. So I jump up and I'm going after him and BV Venables, like, meets me at the point and knows that I'm going in against Davin and BV's like, don't go, don't do it. And, uh, I hook up with Davin. It turns into like a full team fight. And luckily it was one of those where enough people showed up quick enough to where I, he didn't tear my helmet off and beat me with it, but that would have happened. <laughs> That's yeah. I, I, I had forgotten that Davin Joseph was a wrestler. That's yeah. He was, that's a, a that's a really scary combination. Guy. A guy that size yeah, that has like wrestling technique. No big deal. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. All right, Ted. Episode 10 in the books. Double we'll, digits, dude. We're yeah, flying. We're flying by. And, hey, we're starting to think about, you know, we've had some sponsors reach out. We're trying to decide when to start doing shows with the sponsors. Uh, is it July 1st? Is it August 1st? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It, it maybe let us know what you guys think. You know, we, we need all the help we can get, but we're just going to continue to focus on putting good shows out. And I think we, we've done a pretty good job of delivering you guys some, some quality local and national sports talk. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. 
You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. We hope you all had a great weekend celebrating Memorial Day. Don't forget about the troops that laid it all on the line for our freedoms. You got to always remember the reason for that holiday. It's not just a day off from work. Now, I hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.